What's up, buddy? What's going on, Cameron and listeners? Um, not much. I mean, I can't speak for them, but not much with me. Drinking a Dr. Ugly. Yeah, dude, I've never tried. Well, actually, that's not true. I tried Ugly at your house. They have a couple good flavors. Yeah, they. you can buy them unboxed, like a 24-pack, and it's cheaper than it is from Ugly directly. That's <laughs> so, so funny. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Damn. <clears throat> so how you doing? Good, man. Hot. It's been a yeah. scorcher of a week, man. Tonight's yeah. actually... Did you guys get thunderstorms down there? Uh, it is currently thunderstorming. Yeah, we, we had thunderstorms all night, so I think it's going to cool. It's actually in the 70s outside, but the inside of the house is still, yeah. like, aggressively hot. Yeah, it's, it's going to take day. Even It's going to be, like, in the 60s this weekend. Yeah, but I feel like the house is going to stay. Yeah. Just going to hold on to all that heat. Yeah. Also, so how about... uh? Mashuga and Converge next year. I, I know. I'm really excited. We're going to have to go see that. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to buy tickets this Friday when they go on sale, so I'll, I'll buy one for you, obviously. Hell yeah, man. Please do. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah, dude. What's up with you? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing. Um. You know, it looks like we have a lot of new listeners, so welcome. Yeah. Uh, in case you haven't gotten the gist of this yet, uh, Cameron and I... Uh, my name is Evan. We switch off hosting uh, episodes, so uh, Cameron did his uh, his big big crowd pleaser last week, Jack the Ripper. Uh, I'll be hosting an episode, and then we'll get back to that one next week. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is just how we do things, and uh, if you don't like it, sure um, is. Well, we're not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, we'll we'll be back to finish Jack the Ripper next week. So uh, stay tuned for that. But. We're, 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 if I'm not mistaken, we've got some slightly less bleak subject yeah. matter this week, which I, I think is a, a welcome change of pace. Yeah, yeah, I mean, last, last week was brutal as hell, so. Yeah. And also, I did, as I had mentioned in the episode, I did, uh, after the episode, uh, I went down to watch the Red Sox game and look at some of those uh, fine photographs that you had mentioned on mm-hmm. it. Fucking brutal, dude. Yeah, a lot of them are just like headshots, which are still yeah. rough to look at because they're. Yeah, there's a couple that dead. it's just like the woman's just like laying there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, fact. It's it's tough. But did you see the one where it's like the full body shot? It's his last victim. Uh, I'm not sure which victims they were, but there was one where it was just hacked to absolute fucking. Yeah, bits. that's that's the. <clears throat> that's that's the the one that I'm talking about. We'll talk yep. about that next week, folks. You just yeah. hang tight, because if you thought it was going to get less bad, well, you were co- incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, I figured let's, uh, let's get right on to it then. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so for uh, this week's episode, we'll be, um, you know, <laughs> it was actually funny. I kind of forgot how nice it was to just have, like, the book right there like mm-hmm. i had to go back and recultivate some sources and uh go through all that it was nice just being able to pick up the fucking book right and just read <laughs> from, read from yeah. jeffrey yeah just like read a few pages and summarize them <laughs> read and summarize that was uh real nice i mean that's like a full fifth of our episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's actually a good point <laughs> yeah yeah <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I was just going through uh, Jeffrey of Monmouths, the history of the kings of Britain. That's done now. Yeah. So I'm actually doubling back. Um, not necessarily like 
it's part two of a series, uh, but you know they are thematically linked, and I'll be uh, tackling a lot of a lot of this subject matter going forward. Uh, so a few weeks ago, uh, back in I think we did the episode in May. Um, what was that sound? Some kind of was that our just... was that our sponsor knocking? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Uh, let's uh, let's hear from our sponsor. Okay. Um, and if this if this sounds largely improvisational, so, it's don't worry, it's not. It's just it's just the okay. way that I read. Quick aside, there is somebody just setting off fireworks in the middle of a thunderstorm right now. That rocks, dude. That's the most New Bedford <laughs> yeah. shit I ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, anyway, so to- today's episode is brought to you by <laughs> the King of Prussia Mall in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, just twenty five minutes outside of scenic. Philadelphia. Uh, if you've got shopping to do and you want to do it in the town that has my favorite name of any town in the country, and this isn't a joke, folks, yeah, head, on over, too. head on over to King of Prussia uh, and go to their mall. Uh, they have an Apple store, okay? This isn't some rinky-dink little mall, okay? They've got a Banana Republic there. Uh, they've also got... They do have a Chick-fil-A. I don't think you should eat a Chick-fil-A, but... I mean, if all the other stuff is closed, um, you know, if you can't go over to their Chipotle, then go over to their Chick-fil-A. Uh, they've also got. <laughs> they've also got a um, something called Fabletics, which I'm assuming is an athletics clothing store for for an fancy. An athleisure store. Yeah, athleisure for fancy women. Um, also known as the only thing I wear in the winter outside of work. Absolutely. Or Absolutely. Even um, sometimes at work. I mean, yeah, if you can get away with it, why not? Yeah, yeah, um, I definitely wear swishy pants in the summer. Fuck that. If you, you can go, you can go into Journeys and get some cool skateboarding <laughs> shoes, or you can go into Jimmy Choo and get some fancy, expensive-ass shoes. Um, my point is this. You really can't do better if you're looking for the quintessential <laughs> American mall experience. Then heading on over to the King of Prussia Mall, a Simon Mall company, um, run very well, and uh, head yeah, on down. Would, yeah, we should try not to slander the mall. No, yeah, it's a good-ass <laughs> mall, and since it's a real place, I don't want to bring down the wrath of, of the, the Simon, what is it called? The Simon... I don't know. The Simon Property Group. We don't want oh, them okay. coming out to sue us. Yeah. But you should go shop at their mall. Uh, they can't be mad about me saying that. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> um, uh, one of my uh, buddies I used to work with, he uh, grew up near King of Prussia. And when I learned that there was a town named King of Prussia, well, I was really happy. Yeah, it was my favorite town town name. The one time I drove through King of Prussia, I, I took a picture because I was so excited because um, I'd heard about it. And yeah. I had been in Westchester, Westchester, yeah. uh, which is where Bam Margera is from. Oh, and true. we drove through King of Prussia to get to Philadelphia, which is also a cool city. Um, but yeah, it, it's a... Uh, yeah, Philly rules. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had to quickly shuffle through some notes from some sponsors. I didn't have time to vet that one ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of a sudden Yeah, we usually try session. to keep to a... Uh, to higher class places like Stabby Patties. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you won't you won't hear low lowbrow stuff like the King of Prussia Mall often <laughs> from us. 
Yeah. Um, the place is a fucking dump, honestly. But whatever. <laughs> 50 bucks is 50 bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Um, cool. Well, that was that. Thanks so much for letting me read that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> thanks, King of Prussia and Simon Property Group. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying before, uh, the fireworks and King of Prussia uh, came in. Um, so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I believe back in May, we released an episode about uh, the Peruvian presidential election between mm -hmm. uh, Pedro Castillo and Keiko Fujimori. So uh, that went down a few weeks later. And uh, Pedro Castillo has, you know, ostensibly won the election. And Keiko Fujimori is less convinced of that. But, <clears throat> so, you know, this is kind of, you know, at, at least this episode is in a similar vein, where it's about um, some things that have gone on in Bolivia recently as well. So, we were discussing Peru's presidential runoff and socialist Pedro Castillo winning against fascist Keiko Fujimori. And uh, after we went over that, we talked about Keiko's father, Alberto, and his 1990s reign of terror as dictator of the country. And his administration was supported in part by the United States. It was really a remnant of Operation Condor, which is the Latin American theater of the Cold War. Of course, this was in the 90s after the fall of the Soviet Union. But, you know, part of the reason I wanted to talk about it is to show, you know, that the world that was created during this time, you know, it, we still live in it, you know, and a lot of the same things that that uh, led the world to get there, you know, there, there, a lot of those same apparatuses are still still functioning. So since that episode, Pedro Castillo has gone on to defeat Keiko Fujimori uh, by about 40,000 votes. Um, now, this has, of course, not stopped Keiko from attempting every method, legal and less so, to overturn the election. And this is, of course, uh, resembling... For our American listeners out there, who are the vast number of our listeners, this uh, kind of resembles Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Mm -hmm. That sounds familiar uh, to me. I remember him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so one of the key differences is that Keiko's father is already in prison for corruption and human rights abuses, and Keiko is likely to join him due to her own corruption. So that's kind of, you know, prompting her desperate attempts to overturn the election. Right. Yeah, our Whereas, our situation was a little less uh, on the nose. Things are yeah. still kind of 
secretive and you know there was a lot of talk about oh he's a criminal but i don't know man there's a zero percent chance a u.s president would ever go to jail <laughs> yeah man I mean? they, they the do this thing office is committing crimes yeah <laughs> like yeah. the entire office is committing crimes they don't want to you know let out you know pandora's box like that because if that happens now every single president uh because you know in the u.s we generally have a democrat then republican democrat then republican very rarely do we have doubles and so it would be like every president would just go to jail immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and who would want to run? Now, you could even say that there, there's... Oh, there would still be perverts that would run, you know. Right, but it would, like, it would whittle down the, the group to an even less uh, admirable selection of fucking slime balls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So, you know, Trump just, like, he just kind of didn't want to lose because he's a big baby. But, uh... Keiko is, you know, it's really like, she's like, if I lose, I go to jail. And honestly, she deserves to, so. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, her claims are exactly the same as Trump's, uh, where even before the election, she was kind of prepping the, prepping the way for there to be election fraud with no evidence. And, you know, since then, she's been desperately trying to get ballots thrown out. Uh, however, as Castillo has had to quell a nascent capital strike... Um, which, you know, it's not just workers that can strike. Capital can just withhold, you know, goods that they do in order to get their demands met. Uh, almost like what's going on right now in the U.S. Because, you know, they don't want to pay people more. So they're just ramping up various aspects of capital strike by, you know, closing the restaurants at certain times instead of paying people more. Mm. That kind of thing. Uh, but there was uh, some nascent capital strike going on where the markets began fluctuating in insane amount. Um, as he was starting to come out on top. So uh, he has already postured a conciliatory stance towards certain market interests that are, you know, it's all he's already kind of downplaying some of the economic um, changes that, you know, he was at least campaigning on. And uh, so Keiko is much less likely to find supporters who would help usher in another Fujimori reign um, in order to stop religious, you know, social democracy or even, you know, some aspects of market socialism from taking power. Uh, so in this episode, we will be looking at another South American country and their attempts at democratic socialism in the post-Cold War era. So I'm kind of beginning a long series, and I'll, I'll pepper in some other episodes too, but it's really on the world alignment after the end of World War II, and one that I started last time with Peru. Today, I'll be looking at Bolivia, which, aside from a coup in 20, 2019 that eventually folded, has been run by the MAS Party, or the Movement Towards Socialism, once led by Evo Morales, but now under the presidency of Luis Arce. So once we finish tackling this addendum to the Cold War with Bolivia and Peru, my goal is to go back to the beginning, uh, with the end of World War II and show the alliances, plotting, and subterfuge that set the stage for the Cold War, or what I think it should be more aptly known as World War III. The United States didn't just overnight become this monstrous behemoth waging war and fomenting regime change and mass murder to protect its interests, but rather certain individuals in the government and the business world who thought we were fighting on the wrong side in World War II were quick to welcome the Third Reich into the new order the United States wanted to build to achieve world domination. It would be this new order at the top, and the only way to get to that point would be to would be over the corpses of every country that had any Danes of throwing off the yoke of American foreign capital in order to claim their natural resources for their own citizens. 
My goal is not to try and convince all of you fine listeners to become good little socialists and communists. It's to show how the world was built as is today and how the United States never gave up this fight. Cold War was not a war against the ideology of communism or a desperate attempt to stop a non-existent Soviet plot to control the world, but rather it was a deliberate attempt to export slavery to other countries for American multinational corporations with a bloodlust for ever-increasing profits and a finite system that demanded these companies be able to control every single resource, resource across the globe. With, that, with all that being said, let's travel to Bolivia in the year 2006. Let's. <clears throat> All right, so Bolivia's movement towards socialism, political instrument for the sovereignty of the peoples called MAS IPSP, or more often simply, MAS or THE MAS, is a left-wing political party in Bolivia that was founded in 1998 and is led by former president Evo Morales. The party runs on a platform of left-wing populism and has a heavy focus on the indigenous communities of Bolivia, largely being intertwined with those communities. A major focus of the MAS party is the nationalization of Bolivia's natural resources, mainly its fossil fuels and lithium mines. Sweet, sweet lithium mines, man. So, Evo Morales was born in 1959 in the small village of Isayavi in the Oruro department. He is a member of the Aymara indigenous group and was Bolivia's first Native American president. Isayavi is a small mining village, but Morales herded llamas as a child and would serve in the military after graduating high school. He then moved with his family to the Chapare region and became a coca farmer, and he became active in the Coca Growers Union, being elected general secretary in 1985. Wow. Coca, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, coca is um, how you make Coca-Cola. Yeah. And nah, also it actually something isn't that used anymore, to be <laughs> in Coca-Cola. It did yeah. used to be. It's how you make um, marijuana out of the coca leaf. Yep. Yeah, so what they do is they 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 run the marijuana through a uh, a prism and when when the light condenses on the other side it's it's pot. And then you inject it and you and as we all know you have a, you <laughs> can see god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so anyway, I hope I hope this ends with him in jail cuz otherwise I'm going to be pretty upset. You're going to be pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he, uh, he was elected general secretary of his coca growers union in 1985. And by the late 80s, he was executive secretary of a federation of various coca growers unions. Although by the 90s, the production was being suppressed with United States help. I assume because it is a precursor used in the production of cocaine. So, Avo helped found the MAS. Now, he was elected to a seat in the House of Deputies, the lower of the legislative branch of Bolivia, in 97, and was the MAS candidate in the 2002 presidential election, losing in a tight race to Gonzalo Sanchez de Lozada. During the campaign, Morales called for the DEA to be expelled from the country. He would remain active in politics in the interim, including in helping to force a resignation of Sanchez de Lozada, whose successor, Carlos Mesa Hisbert, remember that name, would agree to consider changes to the U.S.-backed anti-Coca campaign. Among Sanchez de Lozada's policies leading to his resignation was the Bolivian gas war from 2000 to 2004, which obviously started before he was president. And this saw, uh, at one point, residents of El Alto and La Paz block the supply of fuel to the capital as a protest due to the selling off of gas to Chile for unfavorable prices. 
the unarmed protesters were massacred by the military. That fucking rocks. That's my <clears throat> favorite move. Yeah. No, dude, nothing nothing says like strong central government like a massacre of unarmed protesters. I fucking love it. And as you will see, which is really a theme throughout, you know, Operation Condor and even since, is the people in charge who are, you know, I mean, the corrupt. They're creating, they're selling off the natural resources of these countries with unfavorable deals to other countries, especially, you know, oftentimes much more powerful countries, um, you know, obviously because they're getting some kind of kickback. And so that's what's going on here. You know, there's, you know, Bolivia needs its oil, it needs its gas, and it's just being sold under bad conditions to Chile. And I'm sure, you know, the people who are making the, making the deal, they're getting kickbacks for it. Hell yeah. So, so Morales would, uh, would run again in the 2005 presidential election, and he smoked the field. He won with 54% of the vote. And remember, these are much larger, like, fields of candidates than American elections. Yeah, you know, there's, yeah. t- there's tons of parties. So, so generally speaking, if you get over 50% of the vote, like you've just yeah. annihilated everybody else. You're, you're crushing. Yep. Right. We're so, so used to here just having like two people duke it out because. And always it's like the winner has like at most 52%. And, yeah. Uh, oh, especially least, in like, the last. 46. In the last few elections, it's like. <sighs> The last few elections, it's just been so close. It's like, yeah, yeah. I would say probably you know, was, you probably have to go back to like '92 where it's Bush, Clinton, and Perot. Yeah. When you know there there were some big spreads there. Uh, yeah, Perot Perot made like a really solid showing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he had like twenty percent or something like that. As a yeah. Third party, something like that, um, of the popular vote. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. So anyway, he's sworn in. Um, <laughs> as the first president in over 20 years to win a majority of the national vote, and he took office in January of 2006. His mandate included reducing poverty, easing COCA restrictions, and nationalizing key industries, and he was wildly successful in all of this. Hell yeah. Uh, like, a lot of people don't realize this. Like, Evo Morales, like, he completely changed Bolivia's trajectory with his policies. So he wanted to rewrite the constitution to increase indigenous communities' rights and to enshrine, enshrine the economic reforms of nationalization. So nationalization just means uh, removing private companies from the industry and socializing it to be run for the good of the people, not for private profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, so you do away with all markets and there's just one company and it's state-controlled. Um, he also wanted to amend the constitution to allow consecutive terms uh, and this would be the thing that would cause a wedge in his later presidency. At this time, uh, presidents could only serve one term. Hmm. Just five years. <clears throat> so right from the get-go, Morales nationalized the gas and oil industry, and he signed into law a land, a land reform bill seizing unproductive land and redistributing it to the poor. This caused wealthy elites to approve regional autonomy statutes in the well-off provinces, although these were dismissed by the administration as illegal. Tensions were incensed, leading to a recall on Morales, but he overwhelmingly defeated these by a two-to-one margin. In 2009, Morales' new constitution was approved in a referendum, which allowed Morales to seek a second five-year term. It also gave him the authority to dissolve Congress. The Constitution also further strengthened indigenous people's rights, increased state control over natural resources, and enforced limits on private land holdings. Morales would handily win in an early held second five-year term in 2009, so his first term was only four years. 
and the MAS would win control of both houses of Congress. Bolivia's courts would also rule that since Morales' first term was before the constitutional reform, he would be eligible again in 2014 to run for re-election. In 2010, Bolivia was reconfigured as a plurinational state, and the law of Mother Earth enshrined the rights of nature into the constitution. He got rid of the U.S. policies towards COCA, instead replacing them with a community-based COCA control program. So in 2014, he won over 60% of the vote, including making gains in the wealthier regions, where before he used to not do too well. Right, yeah, wealthy people never like the idea of socialism. Yeah, but the thing is, like, his policies, you know, his socialist policies, had an insane boon <laughs> on in Bolivia's economy. It right. was just, like, booming at this point. So even the richer people were doing weller because, I mean, just, like, everything was doing well in Bolivia yeah. because of his policies. <clears throat> um, so, you know, once, you know, the Bolivia's economy was, you know, controlled through state, state resources, you know, it, it, it no longer was uh, being pilfered by Western powers. So it just created more opportunities for everybody in the country. So overall, under Evo Morales, Bolivia's GDP tripled, and the rate of extreme poverty dropped from 36% when he took office to 17% when he left. Uh, the World Bank reclassified Bolivia as a lower-middle-income country, raising it out of the lower-income status. However, things were not always rosy for Morales, and towards the end of his presidency, things began to turn on him. In 2011, Morales got into open conflict with some indigenous and peasant groups for attempting to build a highway through a protected territory. In the ensuing protest, dozens of people were injured by police, and Morales would later admit that the entire plan was a mistake. Uh, there were also strikes in the tropical lowland departments from big agribusiness, and local fascist groups engaged in violence and intimidation, often orchestrated by the authorities of the region. So a referendum was put forth in 2016 to allow Morales to run for a third term in 2019 via constitutional amendment, but it was narrowly defeated 51 to 49 amid a slowing down of the still booming economy in a scandal wherein a former girlfriend of Morales was being charged with corruption related to her time working for a Chinese company. While his opponents accused him of being involved, he called on Congress to open an inquiry into the claims that dropped right as the vote was set to take place. The claims by his opponents were that he helped her get the job there using his influence in awarding contracts to China. A year later, the MAS asked the, admittedly MAS pact, constitutional court to remove term limits, and they approved the request, paving the way for Morales to run again. Okay, so <clears throat> he's kind of got his own, like, Hunter Biden situation going on. Um, where he's being accused of being connected to someone and getting them a job overseas and it being, like, sketchy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think, um, I mean, I think the whole thing with the Hunter thing, I mean, the Bidens are obviously corrupt. They're an American political family. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, <clears throat> but, yes, you are right in that, like, the, the attempt is constantly made that somebody involved with a person is... You know, that there's some sort of transitory property. Because, sure. like, the things, like, you're right with, like, the Hunter Biden things. People keep trying to get Joe Biden in trouble because Hunter smokes crack and uses racial slurs. And it's like, you know, maybe Joe's a bad dad, but, you know, that doesn't, uh... Disqualify him Hunter... in and of itself from... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hunter doing those things doesn't really say anything about Joe. <clears throat> right. Um, you know... That being said, I mean, you could also look at, uh... 
Chet Hanks, and I refuse to believe that Tom Hanks is not a wonderful father. I just accept blindly that he is. And sometimes, <laughs> I mean, Colin, Colin is, I mean, the thing with okay, the thing with Tom Hanks, he has one <laughs> of every type of son. Yeah, <laughs> like like there's a there's Colin Hanks, which is one type of son. That's like then many there, Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, not a good actor, but you know, he's at least well adjusted and successful in his own right. For sure. Then there's Chet Hanks, which is. Whew, like you know, like he, like Chet Hanks, is the dumbest fail son with like absolutely no like self awareness. Like his post recently, where he off, so he was clearly cut off from Tom. Like Tom was like, "You're done. I'm not giving you any more money." <laughs> and so Chet started begging people on Instagram to send him two hundred dollars on Cash App, and then like a week later released the worst music video I've ever seen, and then like a few days after that started offering life coaching lessons on instagram it's like what's it what's your advice be tom hanks's son right <laughs> and then he has truman hanks which uh i don't know too much about him but he he's the other type of son when you just like look at him you know Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you, though, that, yeah, it really seemed like, um, especially with the timing of that vote, yeah, that, like, you know, he just, like, it, somebody was just trying to tie him in some sort of, like, transitory property to sure. uh, somebody else uh, for corruption. Like, the whole thing is that she was, like, being corrupt with whatever she was doing. People were like, oh, the only reason she got the job is that Avo, uh, like, awarded contracts to a Chinese company, and that's why she got the job there, but, like... They didn't really like come out with like any, any hard data, and then it was just gone after that. Right. Um, but yeah. So although you know, then there is the thing with the, the Moss Pact Constitutional Court, where it's like, hey, my buddies, will you remove term limits? So, you know, I I understand how that looks, you know, and that's not great yeah. either. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Like, I was gonna say, I think there are some legitimate. I don't want to go so far as to say like red flags, but yeah. he, he did do some things that you, you see when people try to seize power sort of absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was taking like authoritative control. Sure. But it's also because, you know, he was doing it and he was like, it, just like the country was taking off under him. And it's like clearly like he didn't want like authority for its own sake, but it's rather, you know, he wanted to see the project through. Sure. So. There's, there's give and, and, and with the benefit of hindsight, and I'm sure yeah. we'll kind of get to that, that seems completely evident to have been yeah, true. Because, yeah, exactly. Um, with I'm just saying, like, if, if, you, if you were to look at it as someone looking at this contemporaneously, it's like, you, I can understand why there were some misgivings yeah. about the trajectory. But again, yeah, in with, hindsight, with, it seems pretty clear that Evo was, was legitimately acting with benevolent intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with where the the, the story is about to go, that I I think that'll become patently obvious. Yeah. Um. So yeah, again. So he's allowed to run again, and he runs on election night. And while after eighty percent of votes were counted on election night, Morales uh, was in the lead, but he didn't have a majority. Uh, and you need at least a ten percent lead over the next uh, highest person without a majority in order to avoid a runoff. Yeah, he didn't. He was at like eight point five percent or something like that. 
However, this is 80% of the votes counted, and the 20% remaining were all, like, deep rural countryside votes where the Moss Party, that's their heartland. You oh, know? so they they found pallets of fake ballots. Oh, they found, yeah. I bet they it found... It sounds a lot like the guy who told his voters to mail in, and then once the mail-in started being counted... Yeah. Kind of sounds like that situation, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and oh man, and I bet are they still are they still trying to recount the the <laughs> stolen ballots in in Bolivia? Oh, like, they are. They're still doing this really? shit. Really? Oh yes, they're still doing this shit. Oh um, man, so, this is great. So after another day of counting votes, again largely from these rural areas, which yeah. is the Moss heartland, Morales had taken a large enough lead to avoid the runoff. However, almost immediately there was a huge violent reaction from the far right, which had clearly the, you know, people had been mentioning it leading up to it in order to pave the way. And then the Organization of American States comes in. Now, if you don't know what the OAS is, it's basically an arm of the uh, U.S. State Department uh, that was created uh, ostensibly after World War II to promote cooperation in the American states. What it really was used was to uh, basically as a, a ta it was one of the pieces that were used to coup any left-wing government that popped up in, in you know, Latin America, basically. Hell yeah, dude. Love and that. And that's always what it's been used for. So suddenly an OAS report comes out immediately, immediately, as votes are still being counted, claiming voter fraud and calling for an annulment of the election. Morales offered to hold entirely new elections. He claimed there was no fraud, but if you know he was willing to bring in people from the UN to oversee it and hold new elections, but the military and uh, certain police groups said, no, resign now, and he had to flee the country to Mexico. Damn. <clears throat> so, the coup. Immediately... The day after the election, the middle classes and anti-Moss youth took to the streets and they erected blockades while right-wing groups torched electoral buildings and the houses of Moss politicians. Like, this was all ready to go. Yeah. Prior to the election, the, Olivia, the Bolivian opposition began endlessly pumping propaganda through social media and television networks warning without evidence that voter fraud would be widespread and used by Avo Morales to get re-elected. This is the exact same game planned by Donald Trump in 2020 and by Keiko Fujimori this year. A coalition was formed using overt racism by Bolivians of European descent to paint the Moss Party and voters as godless and inferior. The OAS immediately releasing a report about fraud and interfering in the election while violence was erupting was all planned. Again, as I said, they're a U.S. you know they're they're an arm of the U.S. State Department, and really their their entire goal is to just foment coups and insurrections in Latin America for countries that Washington deems to be insufficiently cooperative with American foreign capital. The military ousted Morales and a new leader, Janine Añez, which actually she does pronounce it Janine, which is really weird. <laughs> I I thought it was Heyanine, but nope, just straight up Janine on yes. Uh, I'm trying to think if that it's probably depends on the vowel that comes after it. I mean it's straight up spelled the American way. No 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 I know, but I'm saying in, in a lot of in a lot of languages, Spanish included, the yeah. way that you pronounce the initial consonant in in cases like that, like whether it's soft or hard, has mm -hmm. to do with the vowel that comes after it. So Maybe an E, you get like the j the j sound. I don't know. 
Well, I mean, I know a lot for, like, at least for, like, baseball players. I remember there was a baseball player named Johnny Peralta, spelled J-H-O-N-N-Y. Yeah. And he said that he was the only properly spelled Johnny to ever live. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a minor leaguer for the Red Sox named Jost Nixon, who, is, again, oh, yeah. it's J-H-O-S-T, Jost Nixon. Um, What's his last name? Uh, Jost Nixon Garcia, maybe? No. I don't remember what. I remember. Um, I remember Josh Nixon. Yeah, because it's an it's, it's fucking ridiculous name. That's, that's a great <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, Garcia. I know. Yeah, just straight up, just Nixon. Yeah, it's Garcia. Um, and uh, which is funny. He actually on Twitter once I had seen his post and I just went, "How the hell do you pronounce Josh Nixon?" And I see a fave, Josh Nixon Garcia. <laughs> he had like seen it on Twitter and liked it. He had like five followers because he plays in like the the GCL. Um, but regardless, uh, anyway, yep. So she's Janine Añez and, uh, uh, she's sworn in as the, as being the new leader, despite just being a Senator. And she was not even like the runner up in an election. Indeed, she was not even a candidate. Yeah. That's, so that's insane. how you really know it's pro democracy. That's insane. <laughs> like she was not running for election and, but she's like, you know, what? I'm the president now. Yeah. So leading up to the election, Añez would tweet that Morales was a, quote, poor Indian mm. and would imply that indigenous people cannot wear shoes. She also infamously has, like, the worst spelling and grammar, and it totally sh- <laughs> shifts once she becomes, like, present. All of a sudden, it's perfect. Yeah. And then once she was ousted, it's right back to, like, just replete with spelling errors and just, like, dog shit. <laughs> what an idiot. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's just a fucking moron. And there is an infamous scene uh, once she had assumed office, and I suggest all of you listeners search up the Yellow Bible with Janine Añez. Okay. Uh, she had assumed office. She walked up to a podium with this massive yellow ornate Bible, like huge, yeah. just claiming the Bible has returned to the palace. Oh, God. Uh, she called uh, indigenous people satanic and warned against, quote, allowing the return of savages to power. Uh, which is an apparent uh, reference to the indigenous heritage of Morales and many of his supporters, according to the Washington Post. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not um, very thinly veiled racism. That's pretty. Uh, oh, it's pretty on straight, the nose. Yeah, dude, that's just like straight up old school ass racism. Yeah, they're just like, pissed you know that I mean? there's like a socialist native fucking yeah, it's, in power yeah, so, making yeah, things exactly. better for natives and like and who's not Catholic. Yeah. Right. American propaganda ramped right the fuck up, uh, accepting the new regime that was not voted in. Max Fisher of the New York Times uh, wrote that, quote, the line between coups and revolts can be blurry, even non-existent. Uh, he wrote that it was, quote, a Schrodinger's coup, and that it, quote, exists in a perpetual state of ambiguity, simultaneously coup and not coup. Not very coup of you to write that. <laughs> Fucking loser, dude. Fucking Max <laughs> like, Fisher, huh? Just How much jerk, you get paid just, for that little fluff piece? Yeah, dude. Yeah, which State Department official told you to write that? Like, you know, as you're just like fucking beating your dick raw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, simultaneously coup and not coup. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole. Unbelievable. <laughs> So uh, 
The U.S. press uncritically repeated the OAS claims that the voter fraud was legitimate and wholeheartedly supported the new government. Again, the government that was not in any way voted in, the party Anya's led won 4% of the ticket and she wasn't on it. Uh, she was the second vice president of the Senate, not the top of the ticket. But again, this is pro-democracy when you know, you're perverts at the New York Times or the Washington Post or you know the U.S. State Department. So the biggest reason for the calls of discrepancy were because of the huge jump after election night. But again, these were in the deep rural areas, the Moss Heartland. And this is the exact same thing that Trump would claim in 2020 after Biden's vote total soared late election night. Uh, once, you know, the guy who had been telling people to vote by mail, uh, once those uh, ballots were cast mm -hmm. and counted. So the OAS would, in November, I shit you not, release a supplemental in-depth analysis that found only up to a few hundred possibly uh, tampered votes. That's it. That's all they found. But they reiterated their claims that there was rampant voter fraud and that um, the coup is pro-democracy. A few hundred. That's what their in-depth analysis found. Hmm. So, Representative Jan Schakowsky, Democrat from Illinois, asked the OAS if they were aware that the precincts counted in the later range of the election were from pro-Morales regions. The Center for Economic and Policy Research and Ameri uh, an American Research Organization <clears throat> would further debunk the OAS report. By this point, the new racist right-wing government had begun massacring indigenous people in the streets protesting for the Moss Party. The CEPR would report that uh, in November of twenty uh, that November of twenty nineteen was quote the second deadliest month in terms of civilian deaths committed by state forces since Bolivia became a democracy nearly forty years ago. In December, a letter was published to the OAS from one hundred thirty three economists and statisticians who pored over the data and refuted the claim of fraud. <laughs> In July of 2020, top OAS officials brought before Congress could not give substantive reasons as to why they believed there was fraud. Overall, during this period of unrest, more protesters and bystanders were killed by the military than in the previous decade. Journalists, trade unionists, and students loyal to Moss were imprisoned and cracked down on by the new regime. <clears throat> so, somewhat shockingly... <laughs> Even the New York Times would reverse their initial reporting, now saying they doubted fraud had occurred. Further diminishing the coup regime was them continually delaying new elections whenever polls showed they would lose and the Moss would return to power. This happened like two or three times. Uh, an election finally was formally set for October 18th, 2020. Three days beforehand, however, the MIT researchers that exposed the OAS fraud, they were in this letter, were suddenly contacted by the DOJ, the Justice Department, saying that they were looking for that the DOJ was looking for assistance related to the Bolivian election, and the data report they had created even threatening to subpoena the researchers. The government was intimidating the press for reporting on the coup. A former DOJ attorney reporting to the Intercept, which shed some light, stating that this approach against the researchers would likely have come from very high in the DOJ and likely has very high level exposure. Earlier that year, Voz de America, a Spanish-language complement to Voice of America, had singled out the same researchers that were just contacted by the DOJ. Uh, <clears throat> and this implies, um, and during this, this, uh, this article, they applied that these researchers could, uh, could be charged over their analysis. The article quotes people from the coup government backing up that there could be harsh penalties for the researchers, 
even going so far as to make claims that Nicolas Maduro, president of Venezuela, was involved with the report. This entire event shows a link between the DOJ and the Bolivian coup government in attempting to keep the regime in power. So a lot of right now the ties between, you know, America and this coup government, you know, it, you know, it's the OAS report. It's like kind of like all these like nudge wink wink things. But suddenly now there are people in both the coup government and the DOJ talking about specific researchers and trying to intimidate them. It shows that there's definitely a connection between these two governments. So the coup government would claim election fraud would happen again. Uh, but the MAS soundly defeated them in a landslide with Evo's protege, Luis Arce, winning the presidency with 55% of the vote. So this is what we were talking about before, where finally, coming towards the end of the coup, Evo says, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to be in the administration. It's Luis Arce. Um, <clears throat> and he's the one who wins. He wins with 55% of the vote. Añez herself dropped out of the election a month before, leaving Carlos Mesa, remember him from mm-hmm. earlier? Yep. He was Evo's predecessor. Uh, Carlos Mesa became the uh, the candidate for the coup government. Um, since then, Añez has been arrested and charged with terrorism, sedition, and conspiracy. Mm. And we've also seen Secretary of State Blinken, currently in Biden's administration, <laughs> um, really do a lot of agitation propaganda about how it's undemocratic to uh, throw the people that were murdering people in the streets and cooed the government illegally into jail. Uh, he's been posting about that nonstop on Twitter, really, yeah. although it's slowed down recently. So it just goes to show you that no matter who's the president, they both lockstep when it comes to uh, foreign policy. Absolutely. So just recently, it was discovered that a coup official in Bolivia had even attempted to contract American mercenaries to present Luis Arce from taking power. The plot continued to unfold even after Arce's commanding victory, although disagreements between the ministers and divisions of the armed forces undermined the plan after the MAS had such a commanding victory in the election. A call with this minister and several other forces of the Bolivian right was leaked to The Intercept, and it shows an even more blatant coup than the one a year before. The plan was to fly in hundreds of mercenaries from a base outside Miami, and the mercenaries would join with elite Bolivian military units, rogue police squadrons, and mobs of vigilantes. Two military sources told The Intercept they had gotten wind of the coup, but one of them said no one took them seriously, as far as they were aware. Uh, the longest of the recordings include a Bolivian former paratrooper and businessman named Luis Fernando Lopez, and a former civilian administrator with the U.S. Army named Joe Pereira, which of fucking embarrassment to the Portuguese. <laughs> we, we, we claim no responsibility for this goon. Uh, Joe Pereira, who was based in Bolivia at the time. Uh, the calls talked of Luis Suarez, a Bolivian-American former U.S. Army sergeant that had created an algorithm that boosted anti-Morales tweets during the 2019 crisis. So Morales began warning just before Arce's election that a nascent military junta was being put together at the highest levels of the Bolivian military, and more leaked recordings seemed to confirm that Morales was telling the truth, and that there were talks within the highest levels of the military that they would claim Arce was trying to replace the military with Venezuelan and Cuban militias. Nice. Yep. Always with the Venezuelans and the Cubans. You gotta with these blame people. the Venezuelans and the Cubans, man. It's like fucking, fucking that uh, sweaty asshole uh, Rudy Giuliani trying to say it was Hugo Chavez, <laughs> <laughs> who has been dead for like almost a decade. Yeah. Hugo Chavez. 
that well, was uh influent that was like had these communist voting machines <laughs> maybe he <laughs> maybe he came votes. back as like a a dark side force ghost yeah you know like he's just like more powerful than you could possibly imagine having been struck down <laughs> yeah some some hugo chavez uh holocron was found right yeah it fully implanted with all of his personality and memories and he's he's behind the scenes pulling the strings of like the, with, his, with his commie voting machines that are changing yeah. the votes yeah uh, he's he's actually his personality is within the voting machines he's just yeah. personally changing all the votes just cackling up as <laughs> he's changing them. <laughs> oh man, fuck, um, fuck Hugo Chavez, man! Always trying yeah. to ruin everything in this great, beautiful yeah. democracy. Yeah. Uh, although he does have like one of the most most baller moments ever at some uh, UN meeting where he held up a uh, copy of Noam Chomsky's um, Survival or Hegemony, mm-hmm. <laughs> and was just you know basically telling uh, everybody in Latin America needs to read this book to like understand what the U.S. is doing. It was pretty. Pretty yeah. baller. Yeah, he was. He got a really bad rap here. Yeah, but he was the man. Yeah, it's worth revisiting, Hugo. Yeah. Believe it or not, straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he was the basis of that excellent, uh, <laughs> excellent bit. I think they were Venezuelan, right? Uh, yeah, they were supposed to be from Venezuela. Yeah. Believe it or not, straight, straight to jail. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail. Right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so um, so during, uh, during his time in power, uh, this is Eva Morales again. Uh, a rift had formed with Morales and the military due to his support for uh, Che Guevara, who was uh, killed in 1967 in Bolivia uh, with aid from the CIA. So Morales is openly wanting to create an anti-imperialist army. Uh, this angered a lot of the senior command in, in Bolivia that were U.S. trained. So they, they were always convinced that he was going to bring in a bunch of Venezuelans and Cubans uh, to, to um, replace them. And uh, you know, apparently they were trying to, you know, foment this. Uh, so during these leak calls, Pereira then would claim, as opposed to before, where it was just a few hundred Americans, uh, that he he could get ten thousand men raised for another coup, uh, including American weaponry. Uh, the men from America had to be arranged so that they were private contractors and not representing Washington, hiding them through shell contracts. So David Shearman, one of the U.S.-based recruiters that was contacted, said the number was, was like patently ridiculous, as even at Blackwater's height in the Iraq War, they wouldn't have had that many men. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't need 10,000 men when, you know, you were just massacring, like, gas stations in, uh, in Iraq or something, you know? Yeah. So overall, this poorly conceived coup plot appears to have not been backed by Washington and is more similar to the hysterical and botched coup in May 2020 which maybe I'll do an episode on one day, mm-hmm. uh, against Nicolas Maduro by former Green Beret-led mercenaries from America that claimed Trump authorized the coup, and um, you know it failed basically immediately in the harbors of Caracas, uh, with everyone killed or captured. Caracas. Caracas, yeah. Uh, with everyone killed or captured. And, um, you know, 
<laughs> like uh, Telosaur was like releasing on Twitter like pictures of their fucking US IDs and like like their mil military IDs <laughs> and they like broadcast like the trial and shit like that and these guys were like Donald Trump authorized this and uh yeah it was fucking hysterical um <clears throat> Uh, still, if this one had gotten uh, past planning into an attempt, it likely would have dwarfed the 2019 coup in terms of bloodshed, as stupid as it was. Stupid and poorly planned. It really just, honestly, just like a bunch of morons kind of just winding each other up about how cool of operators they were. So just this week, coup regime uh, vice minister of the Treasury was arrested, attempting to flee the country after being ordered to remain as he had been called to testify as a witness over the investigation of an illegal IMF loan that the coup regime had taken out. Bolivia's constitution stipulates that any international loan sought by the government must be approved by the legislature. And after this $324 million loan was re rejected, the coup regime took it out regardless. Stipulations of this loan force austerity measures on the country, something that tends to follow neoliberal policy and open the way for foreign capital. Once the MAS retook control, the entire loan was immediately paid off with interest in order to get out from under the restrictions. Teresa Morales, no relation to Ava Morales, although they were born on the exact same day. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, f uh, she was uh, his former minister of productive development uh, in his government, outlined it like this. They decided at the height of the difficulties presented by the pandemic to accept a loan offered by the IMF to the most desperate countries that needed a quick injection of resources to meet the challenges of COVID. The problem here is that it came with all kinds of strings attached, it offering special drawing rights, a reserve asset that carries an incredibly high maintenance value. This means that the original cost of the loan goes up each day because the price of SDR rises. They don't lend directly in dollars, a value that can be easily calculated and monitored. They lend in the separate reserve asset, SDR, the value of which is constantly rising. The other problem was the high interest rates. No country should accept interest rates of nearly 8%. The CAF, Latin American Development Bank, was offering much cheaper loans at about 2%. The coup regime took out a loan that had an interest rate of over 7% and which was valued in SDR. Damn. Something, yeah, something important in Bolivia is that the people approved the current constitution by referendum, and the constitution has two articles protecting the economy by putting checks and balances on the ability of governments to freely take out these sorts of loans. Any loan by law must be voted on and approved by the legislature. So at first, when Añez secured the loan, she put it to Congress and was re rejected, for not having good terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. So what she should have done is not accept the release of those funds from the IMF. However, she went ahead and accepted the money, as did the central bank, in amount of US $324 million. When Luis Arce takes power, he looks at the situation and can see that it's illegal and immoral. He returns the loan to the IMF, including the high costs incurred by the rising value of the SDR and interest rate charges. Bro, fucking 8%. Yeah. <laughs> on $324 million. Insane. And daily. Yeah. Uh, so as not to have to apply the other conditions of the IMF. The conditions of the loan include the requirement to lift the exchange rate controls that Bolivia has that would have caused instant devaluation of the currency and of people's incomes. The other condition was austerity. They wanted the state to restrict spending so as to reduce the fiscal deficit. So really what it sounds like is that there was some kind of backroom deal here where they would bank, I mean, they would destroy the economy of Bolivia mm -hmm. with these IMF loans and just pilfer the country. Yeah, dude, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's that seems, even to someone like me, who has, like, the least financial mind of anyone I know, Yeah, that seems pretty pretty obvious. 
you, you get Bolivia cash strapped. Yeah. Uh, they they can't fucking produce any money. They can't spend any money. And so American foreign capital comes in and says, "How about them fucking lithium mines? Let's mm-hmm. take over those. Yeah. How that? How about those oil reserves? And now the only money they can get is from that. And obviously, fucking the entire reason that Anya's is in power." Is because she's willing to do this kind of shit. Right. Man. man, wow. Okay. That's that's some conspiratorial shit. That's some heavy shit. Yeah, anyway, yeah, right? Insane. Yeah. Um, Damn, I'm gonna want some follow up on this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is like some of the stuff it's like just came out. Like this IMF thing came out this fucking week. Yeah. <laughs> um so this is now, insane. Yeah, so now that the Moss is back in power, um uh, Arce with his commanding victory has taken the mantle for Morales. Arce oversaw the economic boom of the early Morales years as his finance minister, and he has proven that the Moss can win with new leadership. And Morales was able to re-enter the country to huge applause, and he's currently just working in political organizing and union work. Um, wow. But he's not and he's got my favorite head of hair maybe <laughs> on the planet. Yes. I know. His hairline, like everything about his hair is fucking... <laughs> Like reality defying and amazing. <laughs> He's got this insane. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah, yeah, dude. It's like it comes like, so <laughs> far down, yeah. and so it's like parted, like just above his eyebrows. Yeah. It's fucking insane. I've and never seen a head like, of hair like yeah, that. Yeah, and then just like the hair just keeps rising. Because yeah, it's like, yeah. He's got like a. I'm tr- I'm looking up a picture of him right now because yeah. like it's it's really I've never seen anything like it. And at first I was like, this has got to be a wig. And actually, I mean, it might it might be. But, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that 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 might be a wig. I'm gonna uh, have to ask my girlfriend oh, no, who's, he's a, who's a hairdresser. Had it, you know. He's always had that haircut. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually my my girlfriend can spot a wig because that's her that's her whole gig. But I'm gonna ask her because it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Look up <laughs> Ava Morales. I mean, he, I don't know. It's, it's definitely shorter and sometimes it's longer, but it's always kind of the same. I think it's his real hair, man. Yeah, and I mean, plus if he's if he's uh, if he's an indigenous person, yeah, they're blessed with like beautiful forever hair. I feel like male pattern baldness yeah. is like way less common among indigenous populations. Yeah, so he might just be like this lucky man with like a gorgeous forever dark head of hair. Yeah, with like yeah the, the 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 hairline that most men dream of. Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, dude, I'm not kidding. His hair, his hairline starts like an inch and a half above his eyebrows. It's a bit much, but like, it's it's very thick and very nice. Yeah, hair. he has to part it so that it's like, dude, like even that think short about hair. It. Yeah, you would have to move your hairline down. You would have to cut away half of your forehead to be where Ava Morales is. Put your fucking finger there. That's where your hair starts now. It's nuts. Like so that's if, you not... if you don't cut your hair for like three weeks, it's in your eyes. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Um, anyway, this yeah. was a great episode, and you know, I, I was a little quiet due to some technical I- issues on my end, but um, this story yeah. is wild, and I'm, yeah. I'm deeply invested. I mean, dude, like every week, I'm still finding new shit with the Intercept or with Kalsuchin News, which is like a uh, um, a uh, Bolivian news source that yeah. tends to be left wing, but still, you know, it's good shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the intercept, they keep getting shit. Fucking, you know, Kenny Clips, Ken Klippenstein, it keeps coming out with shit. Ryan Grimm, it's like constantly where new, like, aspects of fuckery going on in during this coup government that makes it more and more obvious that the U.S. was right fucking there with them the entire way. Just the entire it's, um, time. Yeah, the fucking Cold War never ended, man, because it wasn't about the Soviet Union. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah. we get your shit and you get fucking nothing. Nothing. Yeah. 
And then we just like outsource our entire economy yeah. overseas to all these places that we've yeah. essentially well made part of the empire not in like the old school sense where we yeah. actually go there and administer because we don't want to do that you know you can you can handle all the day-to-day -day drudgery of of running yeah. your own country we just want all the good stuff yeah we just pay some pervert to enslave everybody else around him yeah it's like a trade like, empire yeah yeah anyway well i think this is a great start to an ongoing exploration of uh the state yeah. of the world today and and where it comes from 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 my good friend evan yep yeah uh yeah i'm excited to uh i've got a lot of fucking books on my bookshelf right now picked out sweet uh, to go through it so uh and as be... you said this isn't going to be like our normal like every yeah. other week series i think you're going to probably be doing this on and off yeah exactly i'll just for, the, for a while yeah i'll pepper some in here and i'll do some other stuff you know yeah that kind of thing cool um yeah so anyway uh Thank you for listening. Uh, please, on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Uh, that really helps get us, you know, the algorithm. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, tell your tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. I I forgot that we had the YouTube. Uh, I actually checked it. Sometimes we get views on there, which is funny. Wait, like, are our things are our things actually uploading to YouTube? Do we have like some of them have like twenty views? <laughs> we have episodes on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's not every one. It's some of them. That's so funny because, like... Yeah, I think Podbean it's, does They're it. supposed to be automatically uploading, but they weren't working for a while. Yeah, so. sometimes they don't. Like, sometimes, like, all of a sudden, one or two episodes won't be there. But then, like, I think, like, most of the episodes since, like, episode 8 or 10 are on there. And some of them have, no like, 20 views. Yeah. <laughs> I what the that. shit? I mean, um, I, I did all the work to make that happen, and then it just yeah. wasn't working, and I just gave up. Yeah, no, it's working. Sometimes. Cool. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, right. so uh, we, we, we're starting to use the Instagram, too. Follow us on there. Uh, it's at Left on Red Pod. Our Twitter is at Left on Red Pod. Um. I heard that. <laughs> what the fuck? He needs attention. Yeah, what the hell, kitty? I, don't, I can't even see him. He's hiding <laughs> um, in the shadows. Anyway, yeah, yeah. We'll also have links where you can find all the music that we generally use um, when we're not being shitheads and stealing stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's also, uh, I, you'll know, my Jack the Ripper episode... Yeah, is, all, yeah. is all whatever uh, anyway um but in case anyone's wondering if you've listened to that and you're like what about the classic morrissey song jack the ripper uh you won't be hearing it because evan and i don't fuck with neo-nazis yeah, so yeah we don't fuck with morrissey <laughs> <laughs> whether or not it's a good song is irrelevant we don't fucking yeah. we don't fucking deal with neo-nazis so yeah you won't we won't be stealing his music <laughs> yeah he can keep it yeah he can keep his shitty stupid yeah. ass music all right um, well cool Thank you so much, man. This was a great one. I loved it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, so thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Later. Peace. Como los racistas fascistas.